We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. The Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome in. I am your host, Lance Sanderson. Joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, the Broncos sitting three and five right now going into the bye week this week. We got the bye week blues. No football for Broncos fans this week. If you're looking for some other games, there's some intriguing stuff going on on Sunday. But for the most part, this week, we're going to kind of address on how to fix this Broncos team a little bit. And we also have the Bradley Chubb news to break down. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And bye week blues is more like the bye week um, relaxation. You know, we get a break from Broncos football for a week. Because um, after going back and watching the all 22 of that Jaguars game, there were three good drives and that was it. Like the rest was bad from the Broncos on the offensive side of the ball. Um, when I did the re- gut reaction with Chad after the game, it was a lot more optimism because it was still fresh, and I just blinked out a little bit about some of the bad football that was played outside of there. Same thing Monday morning, but getting into the All-22, like there is still so much that this team has to work on. I thought that with the bye week, this would be a good time to you know really dive into what they could do that could potentially spark a turnaround this season. Yeah, I, we listened to Nathaniel Hackett in his uh, – it was the day after press conference when they got back into Denver. or he might have, I think it was a Zoom conference, excuse me. But he was talking specifically about like third down efficiency, getting better in the red zone, stuff like that. Um, those are like the, the really big core issues that you have. We're going to get a little bit more specific into that conversation here in just a little bit. Obviously, we have the Bradley Chubb trade to, to break down. I haven't heard your thoughts in person on that. So we'll do that here in a minute. But first, guys, we have to give a great big shout out and a thank you to our supporting sponsor for tonight's show, NordVPN. Broncos country, if you're like me, you're getting increasingly more concerned about cybercrime with people stealing your private data and invading your privacy. Now, I am not tech savvy at all, and that's why I now use NordVPN on all my browsers, whether it's my desktop, tablet, laptop, or my phone. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and NordVPN protects you as a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy for me to use, which means I don't have to be an MIT graduate to figure it out. It's very intuitive to use, and with just one click, I'm protected. With my NordVPN account, I can have up to six devices protected. I no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites, and pop-ups. For the price of a single cup of coffee per month, I have complete peace of mind knowing that my device and devices and data 
are protected. Plus, with NordVPN, I'm never a slave to media blackouts. I can switch my virtual location to a market that is showing the NFL game I want to watch. So in Alaska, it's very hard for me to get Broncos football consistently. So with this, I can change my market and I can miss, I can catch those Broncos games live and I don't have to miss out. So Broncos country, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash mhh to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash mhh forward slash to get four months for free. One last time, nordvpn.com forward slash mhh. Yeah, thank you, NordVPN. We definitely appreciate you on that. I uh, listened or watched the games using um, my my streaming device, my, my computer and whatnot, and having NordVPN to make it so that I get those Broncos games is going to be really great for me. I just got it the other day. So thank you, NordVPN. We really appreciate your support and uh, the everything that you do for us here at Mile High Huddle. Uh, going to say hello really quick to some people here in the chat. We got Tim Wenz in the house saying, uh, Lance broadcasting from elk hunting camp. No, I'm not. That's next weekend. I will be missing next week's show, unfortunately. Still trying to work out if it's going to be Scott, Chad, maybe Nick going to fill in for us. But a little programming, though. I will not be here next week. Um, Savage Boy Kev over on Twitter uh, saying, uh, if the draft board doesn't fall for us and Hackett gets worse, God forbid, um, do you guys see – uh, George Payton trade back or even make a move for Sean Payton with the first round pick. Eric, what do you think? Um, I mean, a trade back is always, is always a possibility. It depends yeah. on how the board falls. I don't see a move for Sean Payton being in the works at the moment. Maybe things change, uh, but Sean Payton, I mean, he's appeared on radio shows multiple times and he's been pretty vocal questioning about the Russell Wilson trade, among other things that the Broncos have done. So I just don't see that in the works at the moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Sean Payton coming to Denver, probably not going to happen. Watch for Dallas. Like I, that's everything I've been hearing is watch for Dallas. That's national media part. stuff. That's a new one. I have not heard that, but it's very intriguing with Justin Herbert and that offense, the weapons that they have there. So especially with Austin Eckler, the, the ability that uh, Sean Payton had scheming open Alvin Kamara was amazing there in new Orleans. So him with Austin Eckler and uh, Justin Herbert, that's very intriguing to me. Uh, Mike S in the house. We got Jamie as well. Uh, Spud Muffins. That's a new name for me. So Spud Muffins, welcome into the show. Uh, Jay Taylor, Manuel over on Facebook. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Guys, we're going to break down um, what the Broncos need to do. But I do want to get into uh, this conversation with the, uh, the Bradley Chubbs trade. It was Bradley Chubb and a 2024 fifth round pick sent to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 fifth, fourth round pick, and Chase Edmonds, the, the running back, kind of jitterbug back, better receiving back than more between the tackles, runner. He's an outside zone kind of a guy. Eric, what were your first immediate thoughts about the return that the Broncos got for Bradley Chubb, a player that hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations as a number five overall pick for this franchise? I mean, getting a first-round pick for him is great. I mean, Denver, obviously, we talked about a lot. They only had five picks in the upcoming draft. Now they have six, and it gives them a little bit more versatility. They can use it to move down. Um, with two third-round picks, they could even potentially move up a little bit for a pick if needed. So that aspect of it is fine. The rest of it is just, you know, it's just whatever. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Chase Edmonds. He's an outside zone only scheme running back or outside zone scheme only running back. And that's what he's doing in Miami. And he's averaging like 2.6 yards per carry. He's not been good in a scheme that fits him perfectly. 
he is does offer more as a receiving back, but I would have rather I would have preferred another pick this year, even if it was another fourth round pick this year, or a fifth round pick, or even a sixth round pick. I would have preferred that to Chase Edmonds, who you're cutting after this year because his contract for next year is gross. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. And quite honestly, I would have done a first and a third round pick if the Dolphins were willing to do something like that rather than take the fourth next. So not this coming season, but next season is a 2024 fourth round pick. And then Chase Edmonds on the side of that as well. Give me that third round pick this year or maybe even a third round pick next year. And it might just go over a little bit better for me. I think the value was was good, though, for what the Broncos were able to get for Bradley Chubb. Again, he hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations. He's missed more games than he has total sacks. I, I believe that's the, the correct number on that. It's very close to that regardless. So with, with Chubb, who's a very good run defender um, and the, the ability to get after the passer, it's great to have that. But the Broncos have three guys right now that they're hoping to get a little bit more development from in Nick Benito. They also have Baron Browning, who is shown to be a rising star in this league. Randy Gregory, when he comes back from injury, they have some opportunity and some options there at the edge rusher to, uh, position to move on from a guy like Bradley Chubb and hopefully not have a, a yeah. significant drop off. And this also brings out another big thing. I was talking with some guys on a radio show the other day um, about Draymond Jones and the role that he's going to have in this defense. What do you think is going to be the role for Draymond moving forward? He's going to have to be the focal point of this defense, no? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I actually have an, just an article that should be coming up today about the replacing Bradley Chubb with the players on the roster. Like you mentioned, Baron Browning. Baron Browning, yeah, he's going to step up into a starting role, but you just need him to be who, keep being who he was. Yep. Like he's not going to step in and fill that Bradley Chubb role because then you just really so basically what it is the best way to put it is he's going to help fill that Bradley trouble but then you have to fill the brown baron browning it's a domino effect yeah. and nick benito like he's the worst graded i'm not a big fan of pro football focuses grades he's the worst graded run defender on the broncos at the in the edge room um jonathan cooper is now the highest and jonathan cooper has actually shown significant improvement jacob martin's an interesting piece so they have the pieces to limit the negative impact with the loss of Chubb, but there is no replacing him even with draymond jones because draymond jones they've already been using him as a stand-up edge rusher they've been using him on the interior defensive line and he's been extremely effective this season at, with getting after the quarterback but he has some inconsistency against the run now this could be a situation where in obvious running downs they kind of play him more as an edge and let him work that way while going a little bit bigger on the defensive line with uh dj jones and uh, Mike Purcell that is an option that they have so it's I mean I, I don't expect things to change have a dramatic shift for the way Draymond Jones has been used it's going to be more so on the edges Nick Benito 
I mean, he's still got to really learn how to be a football player. He's got to really learn how to run, stop the run. But his flashes of his athleticism against the quarterback or getting after the quarterback, there, there's a lot to like there. Um, he was a pick that was made more so for next year, but they've seen enough that they want to get him out on the field a little bit more. Same with Jonathan Cooper. They have options, but there is no replacing a Bradley Chubb player. Same as there was no replacing a Von Miller. Now, one thing in this article that I mentioned, whenever it should be published, you guys should definitely go check it out. Is last year when they traded Von Miller, there was nobody at the edge yeah. position that could consistently get after the quarterback, and there was no pressure at all, hardly or hardly at all, after Von Miller was traded. At least this year, we have pressure. We have the ability to get pressure outside of them. We just got to get Randy Gregory and Baron Browning out there on the field and to stay out there on the field. I think a lot of people don't talk about this enough. Is everybody points to Bradley Chubb being injury prone? Baron Browning has suffered more injuries in his one and a half years as a, in the NFL than Bradley Chubb has in his year in his time in the NFL. That's not that's that's very true, and it's a great point. I just want to kind of add the the context of that. Baron Browning, he's missed some time, but we're not talking about a torn ACL and two ankle surgeries that had to get replaced uh, um, this last season with Bradley Chubb. So there there is a lot of injury history with Browning. I, I'm not trying to like slap you down or anything like that. I do agree with you. Um, Browning missing as much time as he has in the first year and a half of his career is very concerning as well. But we're at least there, there are injuries that aren't going to be like long-term lasting effects, surgery, stuff like that, that you're, you're, you're seeing with Bradley Chubb. So there's a little bit except, more. Except a concussion. Oh, I forgot he had a concussion. That's right. I forgot he had a concussion. Yes, you're, you're, you're correct on that one. I'm, then, talking like the, like, I'm talking like the major ligament stuff like that, the, the bone spur removal and everything that we had with Bradley Chubb. Again, I'm not I'm – not The, bone, spur, the bone spurs aren't as concerning as the ACL is. Yep. And then Baron Browning, I mean, no, they haven't – he hasn't had those ACL injuries, but his injuries are still a long-term concern with them. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. and it's and even so, significant injuries, as bad as they are, like being consistently hurt is just as bad. Even if it is a bunch of minor ones, as long as they're causing you to miss a game or two every now and then, like that is almost, that is practically as bad, if not worse than an ACL, because then you're not getting any continuity with the players you're putting out there on the field. Yeah. That's, that's an, that's an incredibly fair point. Like I said, I wasn't trying to come at you. Oh, I know. I was was just incorrect. Explaining a little bit more. Yeah. um, We're on the same page on that. Uh, Let's see here. Let's move forward this conversation just a little bit. And I want to talk specifically because you are Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst. I've been doing a lot of work myself here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Broncos, the first round pick that they received from the Miami Dolphins is actually the first round pick that they acquired when the uh, San Francisco 49ers moved up to the number three overall draft pick to so, select Trey Lance. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you here real quick. So, the Miami Dolphins, this is absolutely crazy to me. The Miami Dolphins have turned a picture of Lar- a video of Laramie Tunsell into Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Because the fir- even though the first round pick that the Broncos are getting is from the San Francisco 49ers with the Miami's with the Dolphins' own first round pick forfeited, it was a pick they got for trading away the Houston Texans pick that they got for Laramie Tunsell. It is absolutely amazing to me what the Dolphins have been able to do with, just based from that video of, you know, with the gas mask and all that from Larry Mittenzel. It's, it's absolutely insane. 
It's incredible. The fact they got what three first round picks, I believe is what is what it was from um, from Houston in that trade, like that, to turn a player and, and Tunsil's been great. He's been one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's a top five player at the position and he's not number five. He's probably closer to number three or number two. Um, and for them to move on from him and just continue to churn over this roster and get high quality players. I mean, J- Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Now they get Bradley Chubb out of this. It's, it's amazing to find the success that they've had drafting everything we got phil mclaughlin jumping in here uh good evening lance and eric what players are supposed to be available after the buy go broncos and mhh for life um so it sounds like lloyd cushenberry is going to be out for a while and i'm not necessarily sure that that's i don't mean this to sound terrible and I, i'm sorry for lloyd and i hope that he could, comes back healthy but he hasn't been very good it just hasn't been when graham glasgow slid into the center position against the jaguars in london last week he like the the blocking was better up front in the running game and in pass protection. So to me, Lloyd being out may not be the worst thing in the world. It's terrible for him, but for the Broncos, it might actually be a, a net positive on that. Um, he's going to miss a couple of games at least. Randy Gregory, I believe, is still going to be missing some time. You might see Baron Browning if I'm remembering correctly on that. Eric, do you have any more information on that? Players that are coming back after the bye? Well. Uh, Randy Gregory is eligible to come back um, off injured reserve after the bye week because that would be his the, the the amount of time is the question is if he's ready. Um, there's been some conflicting comments about that. It sounds more likely not than right. more likely that he is back. Baron Browning things sound, were sounding positive for him to be back. Now it's sounding a little bit questionable um, that maybe he'll have to miss this next week against the Tennessee Titans. Hopefully that's not the case. Cameron Fleming, I think he's still going to miss a little bit of time. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry is still going to miss a little bit, little bit of time. I don't think he'll step back into the starting job. And to be fair, like I've been pounding about how bad Lloyd Cushenberry is and how Graham Glasgow is doing better and how the, that they did turn around in the second half when that, after the injury happened, but it wasn't just because of switch. And I think a lot of people are taking that as they did change up the offense. They did make things a little bit easier to help move the ball effectively, at least for two drives. And outside of those two drives, when they went back to the norm, while the offensive line was still a little bit better, it wasn't the significant improvement that Glasgow, that we that a lot of people think there was from Glasgow over Cushenberry. It wasn't this huge leap. It was a slight improvement. Like, yeah. j- just to be fair there. Well, it, it, it seemed just more consistent, I guess. It was like more consistently well, good where the like the, the positive flashes were there more consistent than they were with Lloyd. And Lloyd continuously just keeps getting dumped back in the A-gaps. When they sugar those A-gaps up, they bring the blitzes, especially in pass protection. At least Glasgow could kind of hold his own there. It wasn't great. I'm, I'm not disputing that. But it was more consistently on the better side of bad than on the horrible yeah. side of bad. And the difference here is that Glasgow – for despite his issues that he has, he's not a guy who gets cons- get, he doesn't get much push on the offensive line, but he's not a guy who gets consistently driven back like Cushenberry. And that was a difference. Still didn't mean a lot because the Broncos run game still wasn't able to get um still wasn't able to uh get the run game going. And in pass protection, they were able to trust Graham Glasgow and to hold his own where they didn't have to give consistent pressure or g- consistent help to him from either Dalton Reisner or Quinn Miners. And they were allowed to, they were able to spread it out a little bit more and still had some issues, still had some chemistry stuff. So that's where those slight improvements came from is how they could trust Glasgow. But there are still plenty of issues with this offensive line that replacing the center 
wasn't going to fix and didn't fix. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you on that one, which is why I'm glad that the Broncos got themselves back into the first round conversation of the 2023 NFL draft. Let's talk about that for just a second. Then we'll get into some more of the fixes that this Broncos team can do. Obviously, I know that you're way further along in your draft process than I am. You've probably got what ten or twelve different tackles or offensive linemen that you've kind of taken at least a preliminary look at, not a, a full finalized grade. Um, the Broncos with the San Francisco 49ers pick, that team is probably going to win the NFC West. They're probably going to make it at least a decent playoff run. So you're looking somewhere around the 25 to 29, 30-ish area, depending on if they make a run at the Super Bowl or not. Um, is Are you hyping what, the 49ers to be better than they are? Kind of maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. I, I just don't trust the Seahawks. I mean, I, I, I love the way that Geno Smith is playing, but – with with Christian McCaffrey, that offense got a little bit more multiple and what they can do with him out of the backfield. They've also got Debo Samuel, who's playing really well as well. The, the, the big question mark is Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing the, the high-quality football he's playing right now and not Jimmy Garoppolo, like he plays the 90% of the time that he plays, there's a, there's a possibility here. I want to see what the defense can do moving forward a little bit. I think there's some question marks there specifically against the run. But it, like that, that's a team that I'm not necessarily hyping up huge, but they are going to probably win the NFC West, if nothing else, and they are going to make a playoff berth. Um, I, so that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. So let's call it 22 to 29, 30, somewhere around in that specific area um, of the, those playoff teams. I think that's where you're going to get from there. In that particular range, there's a couple of players that I kind of have my eye on, specifically one that's incredibly athletic and multiple across the, uh, the the offensive line. And Paris Johnson, the left tackle from Ohio State, formerly a guard there. I believe he played right guard, so he's played on both sides of the offensive line. Have you got a good look at him yet? Uh, did I did I lose you? Yeah, I was sorry. I was reading something in the chat. Um, yeah, I've gotten a good look at him. I don't. I don't. I. I I like him. I don't love him. He's going to go a lot earlier than I think he personally should have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's still a lot in. And as you kind of hit on it, nothing here is finalized when it comes to my draft stuff. Like, there's still plenty of college season left to go, and I still haven't seen every game up until now. Um, I like him. I don't love him. I don't think he's a guy that you can get bring in and start right away, at least at offensive tackle. Maybe at guard he is. But in the first round, I'm not taking a guy, even if he can develop into a tackle, I'm not taking a guy that I'm starting out as a guard year one in the first round. Because you can find those guys that you can get experience in round two or round three on the interior and then continue to develop them to work out onto the tackle drop, uh, tackle out to the tackle spot. Um, there's a few tackles I like a little bit more. And now if Denver does trade down and Parrish Johnson's available, it depends on how far. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it then. Um, but I, I'm not guaranteeing the 49ers make a playoff spot because that team still isn't that good. Um, they have their moments. They beat up on a bad Panthers team and the rest of the remaining schedule is kind of tough too, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're right around 20 where they currently sit. Like I, I wouldn't expect like top 15. I don't expect bottom 10 either, like last 10 picks, um, so somewhere in that range, there's definitely other options for it. Jalen Duncan is one of my dudes out of Maryland that I really like a good amount. Um, if he declares, even though I think he'd be long gone by then, Oyu Fashanu out yeah. of Penn State would be absolutely tremendous. 
It'll be, I think he'll be 20 years old just before the draft. He turns 20 years old just before the draft. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, think I think I think he's right. currently only 19 years old. He is. I think he is only currently 19 years old, and I'm not sure if it's right before or right after the draft would be his 20th birthday. I know you're going to do some research on that, but this kid is built to play tackle in the NFL, and he's young for the position too. Like it's crazy the amount of growth you've seen from him. I believe he only started playing uh, football as a high school junior at like 16 years old and then came to Penn state early. He's one of those child prodigy types that comes in and plays. He's a red shirt sophomore, I believe. So he is draft eligible. Good possibility. He goes back to kind of develop a little bit more, but as of right now, the length, the the physical frame that he has, the athleticism, the anchoring ability, uh, his hand placement is on point right now. I honestly think that if he does declare you were probably trading up from 20 to go and get a player like him because he's not going to be gone much long after about 12 overall. Like this is a high quality left tackle prospect for, uh, for the NFL moving forward. Jalen Duncan is another intriguing player. I've been seeing a lot of love from him from guys like Kyle Krabs, uh, Joe Marino over at the draft network, Jordan Reed put out a, a, a big hit on him the other day as well. So, uh, I want a little bit more on Jalen Duncan from what I understand. He's big athletic guy, but more power than finesse. So, zone may not be the the best way to play him i i don't know though i haven't taken a really good look at at jalen duncan can you elaborate on him just a little bit he's not the best mover but he's got decent enough athleticism to work in an outside zone scheme he's just not a guy that you're going to consistently run to his side like he's not going to consistently be the outside the um the lead blocker on it because of there are some issues with his lateral agility and honestly like this is a year where if you need help for an outside zone scheme, you're going to kind of be SOL a little bit because a lot of these guys are much better fits in that inside zone gap power schemes. Paris Johnson is one of them that I feel that way about the other tackle, um, Dewan Jones, that everybody absolutely loves because he's six foot eight, huge vines for arms, you know, that cliche, 360 pounds. Like he, that is a Baltimore offensive tackle. Like he's huge, he's yeah. massive decent enough athlete but he is not a guy that you want running outside zone whatsoever so Jalen Duncan he's enough he's good enough at it he's a guy that I've been hearing a lot of talk about that he I think he's listed at six foot six there's some chatter that he might fall in more on the shorter side about six foot four um which is something to keep an eye out because there's also a lot of talks about moving him inside just because sometimes his foot speed his and his kick slide quickness can be a little in too inconsistent to handle speed rushes around the edges um, so he's another guy that I really like, but it's just a matter of what scheme are you running? Because at this time, we don't know if Nathaniel Hackett will be the coach this time, coach next year. And so it's, it's got to, you got to look at everybody at this point. Yeah, it, it's preliminary. Obviously, right tackle is the, arguably the biggest need that this Broncos team has right now. Um, well, I would also throw edge in there as well, just because of, Obviously, you're moving on from Bradley Chubb, so you you don't know necessarily what you have in Baron Browning. You don't necessarily know what you have in a Nick Benito. Jonathan Cooper has been just kind of okay, but for a late-round pick, you like what you see from him. And Randy Gregory, with the injury issues, the suspension issues he's had before, you just don't know what you're really going to get out of him long term. So edge might be another way to go. And this edge class is really fun. There's a lot of multiple different, like multiple different players that play multiple different schemes that do a lot of different things very well. And there are a lot of them are uh, like quite interchangeable. Um, 
And the top guys, obviously, Will Anderson, you're not going to get a look at him. He's going to be gone before pick number three. Uh, Miles Murphy from Clemson is a player that I think likens a little bit to Bradley Chubb, not quite as, as explosive as Chubb, but plays more that that power 4-3 defensive end play play style than uh, an outside linebacker. But there's guys like Zion tu, uh, Tupuola Fatui. He's from Washington. He's a bendy, twitchy kind of a guy. There's another guy um, from Kansas State. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Felix Anadike Uzama is another guy that I really like is, is a twitchy kind of long lengthy guy that can come off the edge, 255 pounds, six, four, um, Tyree Wilson from Texas tech. Like there's a, there's a few players in that, uh, that 15 to 20 range that the Broncos could potentially look at to fill that edge position. Eric, what do you think? Um, well, I want to step back real quick and go back to the offensive line because you said right tackles, the biggest need. I think you could just say offensive line in general, yeah, this this is a unit that they could realistically be looking at over over at churning four of the five spots. The only one that I will say is at as more than eighty percent guaranteed to be a starter next year is Quinn Miners, and I wouldn't even say he's a hundred percent guaranteed to be a starter next year. Yep. Garrett Bowles, they can get out of that contract cheap um, with limited with limited uh, dead cap. And that is a thing. He has a position where with the end or a, in a spot where even with the, with the injury, I'd expect him to look at that contract and want to do something about it. Yeah. Maybe an extension to help lower the cap hit, maybe a restructure, something to help out the, the ca salary cap situation there a little bit. I don't think they want to flat out cut him at the moment, but things are trending that way. I mean, he was given an extension by the old staff, by the old regime. So he is guy. He's somebody on there. I know they want to completely turn their center and right and left guard spot. I mean, um, Dalton Reisner has not been good. He's a free agent. Don't expect him back. Lloyd Cushenberry. He probably won't be starting for the Broncos again um, this season or maybe even ever. We don't know what we have in Luke Wattenberg. What they're doing with Natani Moody is quite telling a little bit. I would like to see him out there on the field to at least see if he's grown a little bit. Because we've seen the plenty of flashes, especially in the run game. Get him out there. Let him see what we can do. Um, I think the Broncos are at that point where they should be a um, evaluation mode. So they definitely could do a lot. I would expect them to go out and sign at least two or three offensive linemen, especially on the interior. And uh, real quick, we, there's a lot of uh, Titans chat going on in Titans talk going on in the chat. We whoever's with me next week since it won't be lance because lance likes to miss during a bunch of shows during this time of year we will definitely <sighs> dive in we will definitely dive into the titans matchup but yes derrick henry scares living crap out of me yeah with back the, to with edges the... oh go ahead back go ahead. to edges back to edges real quick i really like tyree wilson um yes. i'm excited what he can um what he can bring Nolan Smith with a torn peck. I'm gonna. I'm kind of wondering what that's gonna happen with the draft stock if he declares. And Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Nick, if you're listening, stop because you don't need to hear me praise Iowa. Um, this kid's good, and he's not even a full time starter on that yep. defense. He is so good. Um, I, he's a redshirt sophomore, if I remember correctly. So I'm not sure he declares, but if he is, I would not be surprised if he goes pretty early. I, I think you're right on that one. There's another one, BJ Ojolari. That's Aziz Ojolari's younger brother, Eric. I know you were a big fan of him coming out of Georgia. Uh, BJ is actually from LSU. Um, Andre Carter is another player. He's an Army 
so he's on the army team. So um, there's some military background there for him as well. So like, that's a, a conversation. He's probably going to be able to forego his, uh, his commitment to the army to come in because this kid's just, he's a freak. He's six, seven, 260 pounds, just bendy, super powerful. Um, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. Like there's, there's a couple of guys that you can really kind of break down. Foskey's a player I like with his, his ability to convert speed to power, but he's also, raw enough and twitchy enough that you can get him and replace that Bradley Chubb role. They're very, not really very similar, but similar play style type of players. So um, with that though, let's stop looking at the, the long-term future. Let's look at the immediate future here. Eric, this offense still has struggled to get going. Obviously the penalties keep holding this team back. They have over 600 total yards and penalties. A lot of them are pre-snap alignment, delay of game stuff, false starts, um, things that have been playing the, the team for the majority of the season. Obviously that's the first thing you have to try to figure out. But another thing is unlocking Jerry Judy, which they've done a better job of. And how do they continue to incorporate a young tight end who's playing incredibly well for what he is in Greg Dulcich? Are those the two main focuses that you need to get this passing game sparked up? No, we do what we did, what we saw Denver do on those three touchdown drives. Make things super easy mm -hmm. and basically cut you're cutting the field in half you're giving a one or two reads to the quarterback and you're getting him to not make his mind up pre-snap like that's what you gotta do when those with those big passes to greg dulcich that we saw against the jaguars those are some beautifully designed plays because of how then the the pattern matching or pattern mixing that denver did to get him open to give russell wilson hey this is the you're just reading this one guy if he if he drops and takes Dulcich, then you throw dump it off to Hamler. If he stays low and takes Hamler, then you have the big play to Dulcich. That's what you got to do with Wilson at this point. Well, he's yeah. still trying to be this quarterback that he really can't be. If you want, if he wants to be a pocket passer, this is how you do it. Yeah. You cut the field in half from the pocket. You cut the reads down by to one fourth of what they are typically. And you take away a little bit of the responsibility of pre-snap reads. It sucks because he's a 10-plus year vet, and you essentially have to give him a rookie treatment because of the issues that he's having. So Jerry Judy, I mean, I think the big thing with Jerry Judy was there was a like the big plays that they had were a lot of broken coverage plays, mm -hmm. but the, there was a, some miscommunication there in, I believe, against the Chargers. A lot of miscommunication there, a lot of open shots, but one either... Wilson didn't make the right throw or Judy didn't run the right route. Whatever the case is, a lot of miscommunications. There was a lot of concerns about how Judy would fit with the Russell Wilson offense. Well, we saw how you can make it work. And Denver has to keep doing that, using Judy in a similar way while doing a similar thing with the reads for Wilson to make it effective. And then you just got to figure out a way to get Cortland Sutton consistently involved, even though his effort over the last two weeks has been extremely con concerning yeah i'm i'm with you on sort uh Cortland sutton for sure like that's a very concerning thing to me to to see that he's not given his all as a blocker and that was something that he prided himself a lot in specifically in the screen game we've seen now i think it's three weeks in a row with Cortland sutton missing blocks on screen plays and getting the the play blown up in the backfield for a loss and we know that this team cannot play from behind the sticks right now. They're just, they're not able to do that. So he's got to start performing better, just plain and simple. I want to bounce this conversation off you just a little bit because 
earlier today, um, I was hanging out in the uh, TDN Discord chat, and they were watching some Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins offense, specifically looking at like what Tua is doing well, um, the the ease, the the simplification of that Dolphins offense with Mike McDaniel, and they they have this really neat concept, and they run it out of multiple different formations. What they're doing is they're getting a boundary receiver with a slot and a tight formation. And they're running a bang eight post with the boundary receiver. And then they're running a wheel route. And sometimes they don't even line it up like that. They'll just have boundary receiver and they'll run a jet sweep motion. And they'll run that jet sweep player out on a wheel route. And they'll work a verticals concept to one side of the field, specifically to Tua's left-hand side. And he is absolutely destroying it on those plays right now, specifically with Jalen Waddle running the post. It's a very fun concept, and it's something that I think that the Broncos could do because when it's working very well, the Dolphins are running – it's like a split field outside zone or even inside zone with what the Broncos are wanting to do at a shotgun and allowing Tua to identify just one specific receiver. And if that specific uh, defender drops down, then you hit the post. If he stays back, you throw throw it to the – throw it to the wheel. And if everything kind of blows up, you have a, a quick dump off off to the other side. Is that something that you're kind of talking about with Greg Dolson yeah. able to stretch the field vertically like that? Yes. Doing those things of making, of simplifying the reads, giving them this young quarterback treatment. Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're giving him two options based off of one, maybe two reads. And if they're not there, then you hit this dump off, you hit your hit your safety net or whatever. And it doesn't have to be where Greg Dulcich is one of those two re- reads receivers. He could be that safety net option as well. That it's not just a running back because then you can use his athleticism to make it. You can do something with that with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton or Hamler and one of the two. Like you can mix it up and everything just as the Dolphins do and don't have to include Dulcich with that. Dulcich doesn't need to be a part of this offense. He needs to keep being part of this offense. He's exceeding expectations for a third round rookie, which you just don't typically get this kind of production this quickly, especially with how much time he's missed. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what it is. And it's not so much what you have to do with the weapons. It's what you have to do with the play calling, the sequencing of your play calls and the quarterback. Those are the things that you have to do to turn around and how you use those weapons reflects that. Yeah. It, it's, it's unfortunate right now with the way that Russell Wilson is playing, because despite all the issues with Nathaniel Hackett, not getting guys lined up, the, the physicality issues we're seeing with some of these guys, um, it, it really, the, the play on the field is what makes it so disappointing because when watching Hackett's offense, they are doing a lot of very creative stuff. They, they have a lot of fresh designs in what they're doing and they're scheming players open. Russell Wilson is just not hitting them. We talked about this uh, after the, the Jaguars game. Um, they, they had a play where KJ Handler came across the field on a shallow cross. And if Wilson just steps up, evades to his left just a little bit, he doesn't even necessarily have to start running. Just step up into the pocket, quit getting happy feet, scan the field. KJ Handler is wide open. There's no one around him. And it, like he's probably running that football all the way back to the United States. Like literally, there was no one there and no one's going to catch him. So we're, we're seeing that a lot. I mean, look at – just go to the ESPN Next Gen stats. I looked at it last night. Um, Jerry Judy still averaging 3.4 yards of separation per route run. That's like 10 feet, guys. Like 10 feet in the NFL, that's wide freaking open. And Russell Wilson's not figuring out a way to get him the football consistently. Cortland Sutton's like 2.7. K.J. Hamler's like over four. It's crazy the, the amount of separation these guys are getting. And this offense just cannot get, get kick-started. 
to me, that's not uh, the players at the wide receiver position or the scheme design. Obviously, you're getting your players open. Your quarterback just has to find them. And that really is the biggest issue with this Broncos offense right now. Yeah, I mean, it is. And that's something that I've been harping on a lot with Russell Wilson is the missed receivers. And I know that there's been some defending him of, well, he's reading the other side of the field. But that just brings out another issue with this is that his pre-snap reads, he's not properly identifying the coverage pre-snap. You can tell from pre-snap motion whether it's a zone or man. Mm -hmm. Every single play. It doesn't matter. You can tell that, especially if you motion somebody. There's always a giveaway that you can look for to figure it out. And a lot of the concepts in the NFL, especially with Nathaniel Hackett, is often a essentially a two-by-two. You have two routes that are your man beaters. You have two routes that are your zone beaters. So you identify it, and this is part of that thing of what I was talking about, of you're cutting down the reads on it. Well, all you got to do is pre-snap read, is it man or zone? And then those are the receivers that you're reading. Those are the reads you make, and then you have a dump off. So it's the system is already designed to cut down on the amount of reads that you are, but you're not your quarterback's not able to make that pre-snap read consistently enough. So you have to change it up a little bit more and make things and change it and make things different to ease it up even more on Wilson after the snap. Um so yeah, it's largely on Wilson. And while I do think that the receivers are having issues because I mean, not just Jerry Judy, but Cortland Sutton. He had that one really bad drop against the Jaguars. Like they've all had these different these drops and everything. So it's not it's not just Wilson. And I'm not trying to make it out to be just Wilson. There are multiple issues with this passing game, but a lot of these things they fall back on Wilson. I mean, if he made the proper read pre-snap against Indianapolis Colts, Denver Denver wins. Like it's that simple because you have KJ Hamler for a pre-snap read, and that is probably. That is the play that I've seen defended the most of. Oh, he was reading the other side of the field. And he shouldn't have been. Why? He shouldn't have been. Yeah. Why? Like, why was he reading that side of the field? It was a very obvious man coverage. You are running a rub route with Judy and Hamler on your right side. Why is he looking at your zone beater route against obvious man coverage? There was no hiding that coverage from the Colts. It was obvious as day with the motion that they had that they were running man. So you, you just gotta do that. You just gotta work to that. You gotta get figure out a way to get the energy back up because I think talked about it with Sutton. I don't think the energy is fully there. We see Dulcich and Hamler or and Hamler. Yeah, they don't have the best technique, but you know what? They give it five hundred percent every damn time they're asked to block, and yeah. it may not be pretty, but they still win the rep. We need yeah. that from Sutton. He lunges for a lot of these blocks, especially on screens. And whiffs badly. Like, where is the full effort there from Sutton that he prided himself on for so many years? Has this bad offense finally worn him down to where he can't give a consistent consistent effort? If that's the case, you got to figure out a way to get him going again. Yeah, and whether it's some some quick hitters in the passing game, get him some confidence built up and stuff like that. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here saying, why would Sutton give up? Is he missing Tim Patrick? Is he not able to lead the wide receiver group? I think that second question is probably a more valid answer is Tim Patrick was the heart and soul of that receiver room. Cortland Sutton is like the the true leader. He's out there putting in the work and stuff like that, or at least it was seemingly like that. But Tim Patrick was the one that was the most consistent player. He was the one out there that was always going a thousand percent, a thousand percent of the time. So with Patrick being out, that was that's a huge missing key cog in terms of leadership 
in terms of ability on the field and just setting the example for these young players to continue to develop with. I mean, I, I, I talked about this a while ago when I was uh, bringing up uh, Montreal, Washington, obviously rookie punt returner gadget receiver that they have there in Denver. And KJ Hamler, both of those guys spoke very, very glowingly about Tim Patrick and what he was able to do, not only for the offense, but for the locker room in general. And before he went down, it was like every single day, a young wide receiver would go and talk to the media. And the first name that they would bring up when they're talking about the guy, like the veterans that are, that are helping him out the most, Tim Patrick was that guy. So I think that that's a very underrated and underappreciated aspect of why this Broncos offense is, is just struggling to get off the ground right now, because with, with, what Patrick brings you, you move Ju- you, you move Judy back into the slot you get him be- back into a role that fits more of his skill set and you get KJ Hamler a, a little bit better opportunity taking the top off the field vertically like with Patrick you get a little bit more multiple with what you're able to do with this wide receiver core and him missing hurts badly badly yeah I want to grab this real quick from Jamie says Sutton may be maybe banged up no speed Sutton's never been a speedy receiver Right. And he looks his his speed through his routes, the way he, you know, the variable the variations of his speed and route running, it's all still there. He's looking exactly as he has every single year with just improvements on the overall technique of it. That isn't the issue. It's not a thing of that he doesn't have speed. He still has it. It's just he's never been a fast receiver. And it's just you can still work with it. He still averages 2.7 yards of separation, and he's a big bodied receiver that you can throw it up to and go get. Um, it's just the effort just isn't what it is. It seems to be far more mental than physical. And Phil Irish actually bring comes in with a good question. Can you run Dulcich and Patrick's routes? You can actually. And that's, I think that's what we're starting to see, Mm -hmm. um, with the plays that I'm talking about where it's not quite a wheel. It's essentially a wheel route and you're having a hook underneath. That was something that was designed for the receivers to include Tim Patrick there. Yep. Like, that's what that was. And you are adjusting it for Greg Dulcich. So, yeah, you can run it. And you can even use Dulcich out wide as a wide receiver. He's got enough athleticism for it. And he his, he's not the strongest guy, but his size and what power he does have still brings about a mismatch with most corners in the NFL. So, yeah, yeah you can easily not fully replace Tim Patrick with Greg Dulcich. But, yeah, you can run Dulcich into in Patrick's routes in plays that were designed for Patrick. You can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And Phil's got another good question. I want to just address your comments there. When I uh, was doing my scouting report on Greg Dulcich, one of the big things you notice is his big catch radius, his big physical catch point. When the ball is in the air, he's a my ball guy. Like there's no question about it. Tim Patrick was that same kind of receiver. When the ball was up in the air, he's going to go and get it. They've got similar athleticism, even though Dulcich is probably a little bit bigger of a body than Tim Patrick is. But Dulcich, for what he is at this particular point, filling in that role, I think that that's a great way to go about filling that in. Now, Phil, your second question here, this is uh, amazing. And I'm going to go back to the Miami Dolphins conversation I was just talking about because it's the freshest thing I have in my mind with what the the Dolphins are doing with Tua Tagovailoa. Phil says, how can you scheme quarterback visibility for the routes that you're running and the concepts that you're trying to uh, deliver the football to? That same concept I was talking about with the Dolphins, where what they do is they'll get Tua lined up in shotgun with a running back to his left-hand side. And on that same left-hand side, because he's a left-handed quarterback, they're running an in, uh, It's an outside, it's called a bang eight post or a glance route. Uh, it's a very quick developing post route, kind of like a slant, but a little bit further down the field. And they're running a wheel route 
outside the back of that with a jet sweep motion or something like that. They're getting creative with that part of the design. But what makes it able to be easily seen, and you see it every single time they run this play, is they run a play-action handoff fake outside zone stretching the offensive line all the way to the right side of the field. So everything is literally vacating in front of Tua's face, and he's just stepping back, and he's just making a decision. It's like a two-step drop, and he's firing the football just that fast. It's instantaneous. But there's literally no one standing in front of him except for an unblocked edge defender. So you don't even have to run a bootleg off of it. You can just run a quick play action fake. Everything vacates in front of you. That's how you scheme up visibility for, for quarterbacks that are struggling to see the field in terms of re- making their reads and identifying which players to deliver the football to. It's a very easy way to do that, and that's something the Broncos definitely need to incorporate, especially with this offensive line that's struggling in pass protection right now. So, I, and I hope that you – I hope you can visualize – I wish I had a, a whiteboard or something I could show it to you. I hope you can visualize. I hope it did a good job of explaining that. And the other way is just limiting the reads. Like that is the e- that is the easiest way to scheme up for, scheme up visibility is you limit the reads, um, especially for a quarterback that has always held the ball too long. Yeah. You, sim- you simplify the reads. You limit yeah. the reads. You cut down on the reads. Um, Jeff Noyes has – most needs a boot more and Garth Knight agrees issue is he doesn't want to I don't know how many times that this needs to be said is Russell Wilson doesn't want to run the bootlegs it was why it was a big reason why he wanted out of Seattle not just that he wanted a voice in the coaching staff that he wanted a voice over the roster it wasn't just all these things about it with that aspect of it is he wanted more freedom in the playbook to do things he wanted to do and running a bootleg wasn't one of them like it is a it is in the Broncos playbook that they can do it. And when we see Wilson do it, it is effective. But there is a reason why we're not seeing it enough. It's being called more than we're seeing it. Yeah. Like that I know that for a fact. They are calling that play more than we are seeing it. And why? Because Wilson is changing out of it. Um it could be some of it could be reasonable, like some of it could be based off the read. But yeah, it is a simple thing of uh Russell Wilson just doesn't want to run it. And then um, somebody came in here asking about the speedy receiver we had in camp. I hope I think you mean Jalen Virgil. Um, Jalen Virgil is still very much learning how to be an NFL receiver. All he has right now is speed. Um, his routes, even in preseason, his route his routes weren't great. He just brought speed. He was able to run a straight line down the field essentially. Um, that's that's what that's what the case. That's why he's been inactive. That's why he hasn't seen the field. Um, I thought that the Jets game would have been a good game to get him out there on the field at least a little bit because um, he and Brett Rippon do have such great chemistry that would have been nice to just, you know, go throw a go route. And I don't know why my camera keeps freezing up as much as it is tonight. I apologize for that, guys. Um, so that is a definitely, definitely a uh, the reason there. I know a lot of people want to see Jalen Virgil on there because those big plays in the preseason. But we do have to remember that those big plays came against guys who aren't on NFL rosters. Most of them aren't even on NFL practice squads anymore. So just something to uh, remember that. And Jeff, many couldn't run, but still booted when you Exactly. That's the point I'm getting at is Russell Wilson wants to be this pocket passing quarterback like the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, but he needs to realize that those guys would do it when they did it or when they needed to, because it was effective. He needs to be, I don't want to say he, he doesn't, he, he's putting his own image above the team because I don't think that's the case at all, but he wants to be what he wants to be. And I don't think that the coach 
is exactly the right coach to pull the reins and say, all right, we got to go to what is working. Yeah. Gary Palmer jumping in off the top rope. Holy cow, Gary. Thank you so much for that generous super chat. We appreciate you for joining us on YouTube. Typically you're over on Facebook. If I, uh, if I got the right Gary, I think this is the right Gary Palmer. There were um, some issues with, I believe stars. Yeah. I saw that Gary. earlier. Some, uh, someone said uh, not to mention their account. So I won't, I'm not sure what's going on with the stars guys. Jump on over to YouTube. If you get the opportunity to, if you, if you are willing and so generous enough to, to support our show tonight, um, jump over to YouTube. At least that we know that that is working and Gary very generously here. Thank you, Gary, for, for all of your support all the time, man. We really appreciate it. A uh, great pod, Lance and Eric. It's very informative and go Broncos. Thank you. For that, Gary, we try to bring in some different conversation every time we do the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, and we appreciate your love and support for yeah. every time that you are here. Sorry, I just want to grab this real quick from Savage Boy Cap. Where is Tyree Cleveland? Hopefully on his way out the door. Yes, I'm I'm with you like, on that. Everyone I, everyone touted him up as this great special teams player, and he has not been good on special teams. It doesn't bring anything offensively either. Like you're, you're seeing better results with Judy and Handler right now than you were with Tyree Cleveland when in the limited snaps that he was getting, I'm not a Tyree Cleveland guy. Sorry. Miss me with that. Like, and it was right to prop him up as this. I, because mm -hmm. when we did see him on the field, he did do a good job blocking and he did do a good job as a gunner. Like, so it, it was fair to assume that that was the case, but now we have more recent play and it has just been consistently bad. Yes. Like, it got to the point, I can't remember what game it was, seeing him block. After like one or two times, I made the comment of, oh, Tyree Cleveland is on the field. He's going to be a lead blocker. He's going to whiff. The run's going to go nowhere. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, it's getting predictable with Tyree Cleveland about his whiffing. And then he he's one of those guys that after he fails, he stands around going like, oh, what was that? Like, dude, you played, you played poorly. And nothing beats the time that... Uh, he himself tackled Montreal Washington, I believe against the, I believe against it was Seattle. So he just needs to go get Brent. Even though Brandon Johnson was just brought back, get Brandon Johnson out there at this point. Like mm -hmm. we know what Tyree Cleveland is like, and it's not good. Well, maybe Jalen Virgil. We were just talking about him a little bit ago. Let's see what Jalen Virgil brings to the special teams unit because undrafted free agent like that that played really well in the preseason. He's a returner he... only though on special teams. He's not a gunner. He's not physical enough to be a gunner. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of other different options to throw out there. Brandon Johnson. Yeah, Brent. Okay, that's that's a fair <laughs> point. Two quick questions. We got about oh five minutes or so before we got to get out of here, guys. Um, specifically back to the offense. I, Eric, I know that you're not like down on the defense, but you're like it's a top ten unit, not a top five unit. Everyone's kind of overhyping him. Don't disagree with it's you, like it's like six or, it's like six or seven. Yeah, it, it's a very good defense. Let's let's be honest here. It, elite maybe not but very 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 good so we don't need to necessarily fix what's going on defensively right now i want to continue just focusing on this offensive side of the football and the one thing that we're seeing with this broncos team is they cannot run the football consistently at all like literally at all the, the longest run that they have this season is 17 yards and that was mike boone i believe it was against the texans or something like that it was a long time ago they cannot keep anything going on the ground they are just failing up front entirely and they're not sticking with it when the things are actually going well. They're not sticking with that, with the running game offensively in general. Is that a Russell Wilson thing or is it a scheme design kind of thing? Because I got an interesting point here. I want to bring up in terms of how the offensive alignment is working here. Um, it is a matter of the running backs aren't good. The run blocking isn't good. 
and the run scheme lacks an identity and the identity that they want is something that you can't do because your wide receivers aren't good. This is in terms of run blocking, just to be clear here. And your tight ends aren't good. You can't run an outside zone scheme if you don't have tight ends that can't block on the edge. You can't run an outside zone scheme if your wide receivers can't give give an effort, Judy, on the edge. Or Sutton in the last few weeks. They have predominantly turned into an inside zone scheme because that is what they can do with their offensive line. They don't have the athleticism or the lateral agility or the lateral movement skills that are needed for an outside zone scheme. It was always a bad idea, in my opinion, to try to turn this offensive line, especially with the players that they got. Tom Compton can work, but nobody else. Billy Turner, Green Bay ran more inside zone than outside zone last year. So it's an issue of that they wanted this offensive line to be something that it's not. And inside zone is where it's at. That is the best place to be because it brings up a good amount of versatility with what you can do with your running game. And it gives you more options on the offensive line because the movement guys that you need, they're not that common in the NFL anymore, but you can get these power guys that have enough movement skills to work the inside zone guys like Garrett Bowles with is what he does best. Glam Glasgow, Quinn Miners. This is what he does best. Natani Moody, um, Billy Turner. That is what Cameron Fleming, that is what these guys do best. Dalton Reisner is the only guy who's really a decent fit in the outside zone scheme. And even he, his movement skills aren't good enough. But the issue with him is more so that he misses his his landmarks to yeah. make his blocks on time. And then he just misses. And he's one of those guys that when he makes a mistake, he stands up and goes like this, looking around. Yeah. So the off the issues with the run game is a little bit of everything. I point to the running, the run blocking more than anything, just because there's no cohesiveness and there's just a lot of bad, terrible play. Yeah, I, I I really tend to agree with you on that. But the one thing that I want to bring up here, and maybe you're going to slap me down on this comment, but it's been something that you and I have talked about multiple different times um, privately. But the amount of plays that this team is running out of the shotgun is just alarming to me. It's crazy. They are well, so predictable in their run game because you're, you're running a lot of shotgun stuff and it eliminates one half of the field. If they're running the ball because Russell Wilson isn't taking off and using his legs in the, in the zone read there, there's no multiplicity and multi-directional running from this offense at all right now. And the, we saw it with the, uh, with the Broncos against the jets when Brett Rippon was playing, they were under center more with Brett Rippon turning around and handing the football off. And the running game was, not significantly better, but was better against the Jets. You have the ability to do this with Russell Wilson. He just wants to stand back and play at a shotgun and be a, a drop back passer in that aspect. We saw the same issue with Peyton Manning there for a while where they couldn't run the football out of the shotgun. It, 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 I believe it was 2013. At that point, it didn't really matter because Peyton Manning was at the height of his powers and was slinging the ball all over the yard. You didn't need to have a running game. With this team, they have to have that identity in running the football and getting Wilson under center more than what they're doing. It's like 18% of their of their plays against the, the Jaguars were, were under center. 11 total snaps out of 61, well, 12 total snaps if you count the spike, but 11 total snaps lined up under center for this Broncos team. That's not enough. You've got to be able to line up under center, turn around, hand the football off, and play some smash-mouth football for teams to respect you, and they're, the Broncos are just simply not doing that. Well, you know why? Wilson doesn't want to be under center. A lot of this will go back to Russell Wilson and what he wants to do and doesn't want to do. That is a big issue with this offense. And it's funny to me that you mentioned the the Jets game because that was probably their second worst rushing performance on the season. 
It just seemed more consistent, though. Right? Like they were able to run a little bit better. No, okay. Well, I need to go. Oh, back like, and watch it, that it, it was it was not good. They I think they picked up just over a hundred yards total with their leading rusher having thirty three yards. Mm, okay. And if I remember right, Brett Rippon was probably it was like twenty of mm. those yards. Well, then, oh, then, nine yeah. of the yards. And then you had the end around to KJ Hamler for fourteen. So yeah, it, it it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't consistent because the blocking isn't. But you, what you were getting at isn't incorrect. Like when you run out of shotgun, and I have no issues with shotgun runs outside of short yarded situations. If you do it in short yarded situations, you're an idiot. Hack it. Sorry, I don't I don't mean to actually call him an idiot. It's just frustrating to see him do this consistently. It's just constantly slamming his head into a wall because it doesn't work. Because shotgun runs in short yarded situations you put more pressure on your offensive line and the Broncos offensive line is good enough to make up for it. And then you limit what you can do. So limiting what you can do as a running with the running game, when you're running out of shotgun, you're spot on, you're cutting the field in half, unless you have a guy who is an absolutely elite one cut guy who can grab that, take that cut and then just immediately take off with plenty of speed outside of that. You're basically going to get the ball and you're going to be running either from behind the center, maybe the a gap between say you're lined up on the left side of the, of the quarterback, maybe from the, the a gap between the left guard and the center to the right. That's all you have. You're not going to hit that B gap. You're not going to hit that, the hit that C gap or any of that outside space, unless you have that elite cutter and running out of un, under center. Yes. Pre-snap, you typically have it because you get your guy going, but you're giving your running back momentum. By the time he gets the ball, you're taking a little bit of the pressure off your offensive line. You're not making it to where, you're taking it having to turn and the reads aren't developing right away. It's just so much better to run out of center. I mean, you can do it out of shotgun, but you have to have a talented offensive, a more talented offensive line. It doesn't have to be outstanding. You have to have, and you have to have talent at, at running back. Javante Williams, you can get by with it because of how powerful he was. But outside of that, like Melvin Gordon, he just doesn't have the cutting ability or the quickness that he used to do. Mike Boone, was fine, but he's a guy, he's much more of a momentum guy. He has good speed, but it takes him a few steps to get into it. He was a guy that really fit that outside zone that they wanted to do because you can sit there and stretch it out and have him run, hit that full speed. Latavius Murray, he's not really a guy who you want to be doing a shotgun run, shotgun runs with. Um, and of those 11 snaps, if I remember right, like nine of them were handoffs, were handoffs to Murray, the under center runs that they had against the Jaguars. So yeah, yeah. like it, it's, just a matter of you you can't hack it has to realize, and this is gonna ballast hack it for a little bit with the running game. You can't keep banging your head against a brick wall as he is doing. You need to find an identity, you need to stop going this. We're gonna do outside zone predominantly this for this little bit. We're gonna do inside zone predominantly for this bit. And it's not just game to game, it's series to series. He's series to series, he sticks with one concept of running game. Mix it up is fine, but you need that identity, and Denver doesn't have it. I'm I'm right there with you on that one. And Savage Boy Kev coming in here saying, and I I definitely agree agreeing here. He says at this point I'm convinced that uh, the coaching staff is yes men to the players, and I I 100% agree with that. Nathaniel Hackett was always tabbed as a players coach, and he's going to do what the players want to do, that and not necessarily what puts them in the best position to succeed. And we're seeing that with this with this offense right now. It's just plain and simple. You're allowing the players to um, to run the entire operation, specifically at the quarterback position, and that's a detriment to this team as a whole. Look at what the the team is doing defensively with a with a first time defensive coordinator in Ajiro Ebro. That the team is playing lights out defensively. 
the offense can't figure out what they're doing. And that's all pointing directly to Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, just not being on the same page and what they want to try to do. Um, not necessarily having the, the, the voice or the power in your chest to stand up and say, no, you're, we're not doing this anymore. This is how it needs to change. I'm very skeptical about how this team's going to come out looking after the buy, but this is the time for them to turn it around. They absolutely have to figure it out this week. Uh, obviously this week off, they, they've got, uh, the, the players are on vacation next week. The coaches have been doing all this, the the self-scouting and whatnot. Hopefully they figure out the, the issues that you and I have talked about and they can find a way to get it fixed because at three and five, yeah, it looks bleak right now, but the AFC as a whole, everyone is struggling in the AFC. It would not surprise me to see a team at nine and eight make the playoffs this year. Maybe Denver can be that nine and eight team. Maybe they can turn it around offensively and start to string together some wins and actually make the playoffs as I predicted they were going to this season. So long ways to go here, guys. Keep your heads up, your chin up, uh, your chest out. Breathe some positivity into this team because I think that we can see something turn around. I'm hoping that we can get it done. With that, though, Eric, I think we need to get out of here. We yes. are at our hour mark. So we do actually need to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us here on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. It's great to talk with every single one of you guys. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK in Eric. Um, also guys at DVDD underscore pod. That's our podcast account. You find what we're talking about every single Friday on that account. I still have control of that. I need to throw some, throw some takes out every now and again. But um, also guys, while you're at it on the, on the Twit machine, make sure you follow at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos film breakdowns. I'm going to do a Greg Dolson's piece, I think, here in the next couple of days if I get an opportunity to, probably early next week. Um, why is Greg Dolson just being so successful as a rookie tight end this season? So at Mile High Huddle, make sure you guys check that out. Find up everything regarding your Denver Broncos. You guys are going to find it there. Um, the merch tent, guys, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag. We've got T-shirts. There's hats like Eric has, a, a bunch of stuff regarding for every single show. Um, lots of really cool stuff over there. There's a face mask, coffee cup, a teddy bear, uh, onesie for your baby if you're into that kind of thing. Anything to suit your fancy regarding Mile High Huddle at huddleuppod.com. That's where you guys can go and show a lot of support. And, folks, if you're not financially able to do so, whether it's at huddleuppod.com or with the Super Chats, Superstars, uh, anything like that, if you can't support the show monetarily, we understand that, guys. Times are rough right now, but uh, subscribe wherever you guys are watching the show, YouTube specifically, but Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you guys get your podcast content, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video and article you guys see, and if you love them, you love what we do here, share it, because without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, um, Slow weekend, obviously. No football for me um, on Sunday. I think I'm going to just kind of hang out and kick it, get some stuff done around the house. I'm going to watch Tennessee versus Georgia, though, on Saturday. It's going to be a great game. Any plans this weekend, man? How are you doing? Um, I'm going to try to sleep. We're gonna, we've been taking a little bit of break with my little one's homeschooling, so we got to get back on that grind. We got a little bit ahead. We planned on taking a little bit of break here um, for Halloween and just some other stuff, so um so gonna be getting back on doing that and not watching football um doing a little bit of work of course and i do want to give a shout out to janet c who joined us for the first time saying thanks uh saying great show thank you janet for joining us hope we see you again thanks, next week well at least i'll see you next week because lance wants to go try and shoot bambi once again Anyways, guys, have a great weekend. I hope everybody who celebrated Halloween had a wonderful Halloween. Stay safe as well this weekend.
Yeah, last minute uh, super chat. And thank you, Janet, for joining us on the first time again. Uh, two weeks for me, but please come check out Eric again. Uh, check out all of our shows Monday through fr- uh, Monday through Friday. Well, actually, it's every single day, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern here on Mile High Huddle's YouTube page specifically. Garth Knight jumping in at the very last second. Uh, $5 super chat. Thank you, Garth, for that. Thanks, you too. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. You all are very welcome to join us every single night here on Mile High Huddle. Thank you all for joining us here tonight on uh the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.